Hello and welcome to Diverse Web3 Builders here. It's Brian Zwerner from Wii Studio. And my guest today is Amari Ruff from Mimic. Amari, thanks for taking the time with us today. Oh man, Brian, thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, well, this series is about getting to know diverse builders like you. So let's just start with some basic background. Tell us a bit about you know where you grew up, your work experience, and everything you did before you started Mimic. Oh man, man, I'm I'm old, so I've got I've got a long background. We, we you said we got about two hours on this, right? So, ah, no. <laughs> not on this one question. <laughs> <laughs> no, so uh, I'm originally from New York, upstate New York, Buffalo, um, but a military brat. So my father, you know, uh, we moved every three to four years. So we lived in cool places like uh, Alaska. I lived in Alaska for about four years. Lived in Korea for three years wow. as well, and then. When my father retired in the military, that's when we came down here to Atlanta. So I uh, went to high school here in Atlanta. So everybody who's from here says, well, if you went to high school here, you could actually claim that, hey, you're, you're from Atlanta. So I say, hey, I'm from I'm from Atlanta. Um, but yeah, so that that's, you know, where I'm from and, and a little bit there. Got went to went to college down at Bethune Cookman College down in Daytona Beach, Florida. Started off uh, funny as a as a nursing major. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wouldn't have guessed yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? What I thought about then was, um, you know, being in in the medical field, you're always going to have a job. And then I've always been good with people and you know building relationships. And I felt that being a nurse and then you know me, the young me, was I could be work around a lot of women. So I was like, hey, I'll be a nurse. But I ended up uh, switching to sports medicine down at Bethune-Cookman, ended up coming back to Atlanta and uh, jumped into my first entrepreneur, you know, endeavor there. All right, tell us about that. I want to know more about that first entrepreneur endeavor. Yeah, so got got out of school. And as you see, I, I was in the medical field, but ended up uh, becoming, uh, jumping into the telecom space. So uh, I was working for, I thought I was actually working directly for Comcast, but it was actually a contractor for Comcast. So doing like residential installation service, uh, doing commercial installation service, all that kind of stuff. But then I found out I was working for a contracting company and I was like, wow, well, how did the guy start this business? And he had a military background. He had a few thousand employees at the time. They're like, hey, he just started it with a small team and, and got going. So I was like, you know what? I think I could probably do the same thing. So uh, ended up becoming a top uh, technician in the country. I was actually top three in the country. Then I became a supervisor, and then I got a few of my buddies that were like, "Hey guys, I think it's some opportunity here. Let's uh, let's start a company." And I started a uh, Global Optic Telco. We failed a couple of times, but fell forward, and uh, I ended up growing that company um, to five offices and almost uh, 200 employees from that business. Wow. So we had offices in Atlanta, Baton Rouge, two in uh, Virginia, which was Northern Virginia, Hampton Roads, Virginia. And then we had uh, Evansville, Indiana. So did some really cool stuff there and was able to exit that business. But that was like my first, like, I guess you could say I, I, it wasn't really, it wasn't technology, but it was more like I had an idea in my head and really brought it to fruition and really got a chance to, and I was young, man, I was about 24, you know, at the time. And everybody who worked for me was a lot older, but, you know, it was to a point where I was able to convey, you know, a vision to, to people that could be old enough to be my father and get them to follow me and really build a, a really cool company. Yeah. It, it was exciting, man, really, really exciting times. 
Well, you know, as a as a, a repeat founder, then you know that building a business from scratch is so hard. There's so many things that life throws at you, twists and turns, and challenges and obstacles. Was there something in your life that you had accomplished before that first business that gave you the confidence to know you could do it? Was there something that you did, whether it was in school or an earlier job or sports or music or something that gave you that confidence to know you could take on a challenge like that? Or did it just come no. from success in the business before that? No, I think I think it's more of who I am as an individual, right? Like I, I, I have, I'm very confident in myself and I'm, I'm always, you know, about making a bet on yourself and and, and really believing that um, if you can envision it, it, it can come to life, you know, and the only barriers that exist are the only one, are the ones in our mind. So I was like, hey, I'm going to take this chance and, and, and really jump out there. And of course, you know, you're scared and you're nervous and, you know, you, you think about what happens if you fail. But the other part is you also think about uh, what happens if I actually get it right? You know, like what happens if everything actually goes right? Like, you know, so I think in my mind that that's that's sort of how I operate. Like I'm more uh, of the type of individual where, of course, you know, I understand like the ramifications of if something does go bad and what the risk is. But at the end of the day, man, um, you you miss 100 percent of the shots that you don't take. And, and that's, you know, one of the models that I live by. And I'm sure, you know with your sports background as well. Like, dude, like I played football, man. Like you, you uh, extremely competitive. I, I played um, basketball and, and baseball as well. And, you know, being an athlete is, is always just really believing in yourself that you can accomplish those things that you really set your heart out to do. Yeah, we, uh, you know, from my work at the Venture Space and Beyond the Game Network, we firmly believe athletes, uh, the, the life lessons of sports teach you what you need to be an entrepreneur, whether it's a tech founder or services business or whatever it may be, that uh, picking yourself up when you get knocked down and staying dedicated, being part of a team and mm -hmm. leading, uh, fighting off the naysayers, all those life lessons that come from sports, are they're invaluable. So true. Entrepreneurship. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so true, man. You gotta you gotta be able to go even if you're down thirty zip. You know, you still gotta go hard. You know what I'm saying? And it's the same thing in, in business where your first potential client that said initially yes, but now it's time to sign the contract and now they change their mind, you still gotta go, you know. So there's a lot of correlations with you know being able to persevere, you know, with sports and business. So I, absolutely I think, you know, uh former athletes, whether if and of course, like I play at the high school level and play very high level intramural in, in, in college. <laughs> but, you know, I, I still, you know, consider myself an athlete, though. Absolutely. Now, what came after you sold the telecom business? Did that bring you straight yes. to Mimic or were there a couple stops in between? No, it was definitely a couple stops in between, man. I, I, I got into uh, trading the stock market a bit. So I was mm -hmm. trading uh, commodities for a while. I did some When was this? What year are we talking about? Oh man, this was probably 15, 2015, 16. Okay. So easy. Maybe Everything went up then. It was simple. <laughs> Put your money out there, double <laughs> piece of cake, right? <laughs> but no, um, so did that for a little bit of time and then got into uh, technology, which was my, my previous tech startup, which was Sudo, which was in the transportation supply chain logistics space where I initially sought out just to start a trucking company because with my telecom company, I had all those assets. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, look, in transportation, I mean, there's also there's there's always a need for trucks, right? And 
my thought was, look, I can, you know, get 50 trucks or so and really jump out there and have a, you know, good business for myself. But when I really started to really dig into the industry, I was like, well, it's a lot more capital intensive than I had anticipated. And then trucks are not cheap. <laughs> not Space at all, for those trucks, the the loading docks, there's a lot of that goes into it. <laughs> and just insurance as being a new company, man, that's enough to deter you right there. But um, I learned more about the industry and I seen that there was an avenue which I could be a freight brokerage company. So I was like, oh, I don't have to have assets. I can leverage other people's assets. Like I'm really liking that space, right? And it really played to my strengths, which is like building relationships, getting out there, really selling and getting contracts and stuff. So I was like, okay, so I spun up a freight brokerage and then I really looked deep and was like, oh boy, this is a very antiquated industry, man. Like there's no technology. They're, they're asking me for my fax number and everything's <laughs> done on phones. I was like, oh boy, I, I think there's some opportunity here. So. At the time, um, my the school that my son was going to, one of the dads there, he was doing a lot at Georgia Tech at ATBC. Mm-hmm. So I told him, I was like, hey, I got this idea. You know, I'm in this, you know, antiquated industry. I think there's some opportunity to add some efficiencies through technology. And he was like, hey, this sounds actually really good. Why don't you come up here to ATBC? So I came up there and went through all the classes and was able to really come together with with an idea around the product right Mm -hmm. so had that idea um and started really touching my network and was able to get uh down to bittenville to get to walmart and i pitched to walmart like hey look this is what we're doing this is what we can do from a technology perspective and was able to get a commitment from Walmart. And wow. from then on, uh, the the gentleman that introduced me to, brought me to ATBC, he ended up joining the company as a co-founder. Then I brought on a couple other individuals and then we formed, you know, Sudo at the time and we raised a little capital and we, we were off, man. So we grew that business and we did really well, man. We worked with, you know, of course, Walmart, Procter & Gamble, Anheuser-Busch, Southern wow. Company, man. We had some... That's some major clients, man. We were doing really well. We had a nice team. And of course, uh, logistics is tough, man. You got to be really well capitalized there. And we got to a point where we needed to, it was either, hey, are we going to raise more money or are we going to look to exit the business? And collectively, we decided to exit the business. So we were able to sell, you know, the technology stack to a publicly traded company. But of course, you know, there were there were a lot of lessons learned in that business around you know, building from coming from a service background, building a service-based business to now building a tech company and dealing with investors and having board meetings and, you know, being able to, you know, set your projections. You don't hit those projections. Why didn't you hit them? How do you adjust? How do you get the right team members in? How do you properly allocate capital? All those different things. How do you prepare yourself for the next fundraise? Like I learned all that stuff. So definitely drink, was drinking from a fire hydrant there, man. And then, but it, it well prepared me for what I'm doing today, which is me. <laughs> That's awesome. And I love that you're not afraid to, you know, go from one business to learning another to getting into the next one. I mean, a huge jump from uh, telecom to trucking to video games and avatars yeah. in the metaverse where you are now. So where did the idea for Mimic come from? How did you, how did you stumble upon this idea? What, what inspired you here? Yeah, yeah. So um, it's it's so funny, man. Like I, I tell even some of the the kids that I mentor. I'm in the Emerging 100 Black Men of Atlanta here, mm-hmm. and we work with uh, kids from Best Academy. And I, and I'm always telling you know the kids that we work with is your network is everything, man. Like right. you know, be a be a good dude, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like 
nobody's perfect. You're going to make mistakes. You're, you're not going to do things right. But at your core, be a good person, man, because you never know, right? So one of my investors from Sudo actually reached out to me and was like, hey, Amari, uh, we, I've got this platform. I, I, think it, I think it's something here. Come take a look. And it was Mimic at the time. So I came. I came to the office over at Atlanta Tech Village. And I seen it. He was like, look, I, you know, we've got these avatars and, you know, I think we could we could maybe do a social media type thing here for creators or something like that. And I was like, oh, wow, like this is very, very interesting. So he was like, well, look, long story short, hey, I was hoping that you would ask, would you, would you run to run the company? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> hey, I, I would I would love to, you know, because, of course, I don't I don't know everything, you know, about, you know, metaverse and, you know, uh, augmented reality tech and all that stuff. But what I do know is how to build a solid business and I know how to build a team and I know how to establish a go-to-market strategy. So I came on board and did those exact things. So uh, we put, you know, a little bit of our own capital behind the business. Um, we, we started to build the team out and we really refined the market that we were going to focus on for me, McMahon. And we, we set off, dude. And, um, we're we're really kicking some butt right now. We're taking names, uh, and we're and we're building it the right way. Where it's like, we 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 got our money behind there. We got some strategic angels that are involved, and it's like we're really taking our time to build a strong foundation for this business. Because, you know, it's one thing to have a really good tech technology platform, a really good tech company, but what's really important is that you, it's timing, dude. Like, and for us, timing is like perfect, man. Like. As you know, and everyone who's listening in, like everybody's talking metaverse and everybody's talking Web3 and everything is around creator economy. And it's just like, man, like for us, this was like the perfect storm. So we really, we really jumped in and we've got, we've formed some really cool partnerships. Like Nantech is one of our really big partners that we work with today now. And we're really, you know, we, we've really branded ourselves and created this platform that we, give to brands and creators, but the creators are a brand. So we could just say brands that allows for them to better engage their community and customers by leveraging augmented reality tech. And that's a plethora of mimic offerings. That could be avatars built out to your likeness that's doing your special dances for your community to engage them. That could be, hey, we come out to your building at McDonald's and now we activate all these different augmented reality waypoints. So when your customers come on site, now they've got this AR experience. We've got gamification fr framework. We've got ad support behind the platform also. So we've got all these really dope offerings that we roll out this real, really cool augmented reality toolkit to allow brands to really increase their touch points to their customers and community, but to also make more money. You know, and, and at the end of the day, everybody's waking up and, and what's important to their brand is that, you know, how do we better touch our customers? How do we better engage them? How do we stay fresh and new? But also, how do we how does that equate to the bottom line as well? And we feel that we've cracked that nut here at Nemec. Well, and I've seen the tech and it's these super cool dancing avatars. They're expressive, they're colorful, and they show up like uh, snap stickers or AR stickers <laughs> on top, but they're moving, they're doing things, they're dancing. Right. It's super cool tech and it's and it's and it's very uh, it's got a wide range of things you can make these different characters do, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So there's motion motion capture technology in the platform. So not only can you choose from dances that may be from your favorite influencer, 
but you can create your own dance and your own avatar and have those avatars, you know, doing those movements through motion capture technology. What's cool is that, and, and Brian, we've got some awesome updates for you, but um, we have what we call a Mimic Live setup now. So it's a, it's a live setup with a huge screen and it's all decorated and we've got one at the Trap Music Museum now where nice. you can go and you've got these special avatars that's all built out around the Trap Museum's theme. And we've got music, we've got really cool dances that are core to Atlanta. And dude, we see almost a thousand videos created every weekend. Like it's going awesome. insane, man. So we're so pumped, we're so fired up. And that was step one. And now we've taken you know, our Mimic platform and now we've white labeled that and said, hey, museum, take this now, this is your own community app now. So all those videos that are created in the museum are now within your Mimic Light version. And now your museum goers can not only see the content that was created previously, but they can go home now and have that mimic S experience away from the museum and still post that to the community. So we've, we've rolled that out with them. We're working with some other really, really big customers that I can't say just yet, but I cannot wait but we're gonna roll that out, that same program, that same Mimic toolkit with those customers as well. And we're really, really fired up about it. Well, and you've had a lot of experience across your career as you've detailed today mm -hmm. and partnerships and, mm -hmm. and working with much bigger companies. I know you've got a great relationship with the Niantic guys there. For people who mm -hmm. don't know, that's the maker of the very popular Pokemon Go game, one of the biggest mm -hmm. video games on the phone in the last decade. T tell people a little bit about how that came about and what you're doing with those guys and how that's going to benefit your company. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we got we got connected through Nantech where they had this uh, this BDI program, which is the Black Developers Initiative, and uh, they really you know opened up their arms and were just like, hey, we want to really em embrace you know minority game developers out there. So we came in and we showed them what we were doing with Mimic and they were blown away and they knew that some of the stuff that they were developing on their side would fit great with what we're doing. So <clears throat> within Mimic, we've got some cool Nantech framework within our platform. And last year at their Lightship Summit, we went out there and we presented on stage and won a couple of awards. We won Best in Sharing and all that cool stuff, man. So they're, they're a great partner of ours. Uh, we've been in communication with the Ventures team there. They're excited with what we're building. And they're working really close with us. But um, I think to, to have a partner like Anantec allows for us to work with really large clients like, you know, like sports teams and soccer teams and just really, really big brands where, you know, they may be hesitant to work with the startup just off, off bat. But we bring a partner like Anantec to the table that has global reach and they have really cool mapping systems almost at the same caliber as Google Maps. So now that allows for us to take um, our indoor AR experiences and actually do them outdoor as well. And now have these really cool different theme AR experiences for brands. So they, they're, they're a dope partner of ours. We're really excited to be working with them. They're an amazing, amazing company. Awesome. Yeah, I know that uh, with that tech, you can place things in the real world, scavenger hunt style. You can put them yeah. into retail installations. You can you can add them anywhere in the world to drive power for brands that you partner with, which is super, super cool. Um, and, and I think that tech is I think that tech is just awesome. And not only have they partnered with 
the Pokemon franchise, but they were also, they also had a Harry Potter game. I mean, they've got right. huge activations, as you said, with some of the biggest and most well-known brands in the world, which is really amazing. Yeah. They got, they got the NBA uh, world now too, mm -hmm. which is a new game right. they just launched. So that's, that's got some crazy traction, man. So they're, they're kicking butt in that space, man. So we're, we're happy about it. One of the goals of this Diverse Web 3 Builder series is to tell the audience how they can help diverse builders like yourself. So whether that's capital mm -hmm. raising, whether that's partners, if people are listening today and they like your story and they want to they wanna help out, they want to make an introduction, they want to get involved in your business in some way, what can the audience do to help you? Uh, give me a billion dollars. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I think for us right now, we're in a space where um, new partnerships is uh, top mm -hmm. of the list for us. So any any company out there that, you know, is trying to understand, hey, what's our what's our, our Web3 strategy? What's our metaverse strategy? You know, how do we leverage augmented reality technology? We would love to meet those people because we've got a really cool toolkit that allows for them to seamlessly roll out, you know, those effects where they don't have to learn a bunch of new stuff, but they could take this Mimic toolkit and, you know, layer in their their current collateral to to mm -hmm. to engage their customer and community right now. So we love intros to those companies. Oh, AR um, dancing Ronald McDonald or uh, Walt you, or Mickey Mouse or whomever, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And then we, we're even playing in a space now where it's just, you know, AR, you know, uh, content that's being pushed out. So we've even expanded just outside of avatars where let's say you want to turn the side of your building into a billboard, you know, mm -hmm. that could excite your customers. We could do those things or people just point their at, phone at it and they can see it straight through there. Exactly. Absolutely. So we can add the AR effects to the building. We could help you roll out really cool scavenger hunts for the community across, you know, the world or here in the US or just here in the city of Atlanta. Uh, we can do some some really cool things and a lot of different AR effects indoor as well. So we've expanded outside of just the avatars, but just the AR just in general. But yeah, Very so cool. we're we're looking intros to um, you know different partners there, and then we're probably gearing up to do maybe a light raise towards the end of the summer. So any you know investors that play in this augmented reality space, Web three, Metaverse, anything like that, um, we we will at least start having some conversations early just to get to meet people. Fantastic. And, uh, you know, you touched on AR. So this is mostly stuff people are going to do on their phones and see there. Have you looked at mm -hmm. VR? What are your thoughts around the Oculus and things of that? Is that on the Mimic roadmap or you're going to stick with the AR tech for a while? I think we're going to stick in AR. We, we like to consider um, augmented reality tech where our platform is a driver to take people to places right mm -hmm. where you're bringing that digital into the real world vr is more let me put the headset on and let me just stay at home in this particular space so i look at ar as a bridge to vr i think the oculus is going to do great uh, i i think you know the vr has it has its strong use cases mm -hmm. but i also feel that ar you know has a space of its own as well and there's a lot of companies that will like to send people to places and not just keep them at home <laughs> Well, there are a few billion smartphones and only uh, a couple ten millions of uh, of uh, VR headsets. So there's still a little ways to go there. <laughs> there you go. So we're gonna stay in this space right here, right now, where we're just gonna uh, bring experiences to that thing that's right in your pocket. 
<laughs> Fantastic. Well, we'll have uh, links to the Mimic website and socials and to uh, Amari's uh, LinkedIn if you want to reach out. You've got partners to send his way and you can check out the tech and see how all these cool AR implementations are happening out there. Amari, thank you very much for being on the uh, Diverse Web3 Builders series. We hope that our audience can support you and continue to help you find great partners and grow this business. And I know we're, you're building something great here in Atlanta and we're excited to see where this goes. Well, Brian, thanks so much for having me. Really excited about you know what you guys are doing on your side and thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right. That is it for Diverse Web3 Builders with Amari Ruff. Thank you for joining us. Thanks.